Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. From the Gospel lesson from St. John, the 8th chapter. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus spoke these words to some Jews who had begun, at least, to believe in him. They show very quickly how little of Jesus' message, though, that they were really actually willing to receive. They did not see themselves as being slaves to sin, and therefore they saw themselves as better than those sinners and tax collectors with whom Jesus typically associated. Worse still, they did not see themselves in need of that which Jesus came to bring, freedom from slavery. The Pharisees and those like them in the scriptures often stand out as a strict warning to us to watch what it is we make of ourselves. But it's too bad that we so rarely step back and reflect and see those attitudes in ourselves. Today, of course, is the observance of the Festival of Reformation, which actually falls on Thursday on All Hallows' Eve or what we sometimes know today as Halloween. Yes, it's another one of those Christian holidays or holy days that has been co-opted and corrupted by our pagan society. And yet it's grossly inaccurate and very incomplete to say that on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to that church door in Wittenberg, and thanks to him and that action, we are finally free. First of all, when you read those 95 theses, you're instantly aware that dear Father Martin, who was not yet quite Dr. Luther, is not yet himself Lutheran. Take thesis 44, for example. Because love grows by works of love and man becomes better, but by pardons man does not grow better only more free from penalty. Not exactly salvation by grace alone through faith alone, is it? Second, it is important to note that these 95 theses are not part of our Lutheran confessions, that is, the Book of Concord. No, they were primarily a reaction against the selling of indulgences, pieces of paper forgiveness that could be bought with money. Father Luther does not want people to buy forgiveness. At that stage, he wants people to do acts of penance. That's not Christian. And that's not the basis for the revolution that will become the Reformation of the Church. At most, we can say that the 95 Theses became the beginning of that period of inquiry and debate that would lead to the Reformation of the Christian Church overly simplistic or romantic notions about the Reformation do us no good. They merely pit us as the good guys on the one hand against the 
Roman Catholics the bad guys on the other. But the real enemy, Jesus tells us, is ourselves. And the most terrible thing about it is that we are blind, completely blind to our own slavery. Now this can happen to large institutions and organizations like the church, and it can happen to us as individuals as well. And it all happens because we fail to abide in the word of God. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Those who have no time for the word of God are not abiding in the word. The longer a person stays away from the word, the weaker faith becomes. And eventually, if that faith is not nourished by the word, it will die. The word of God is the very food of faith. It is the air that faith breathes. It is the fuel that faith burns. Without that word, without Christ continually before us, and with us, and within us, faith dies. Now it will forever remain a mystery to me why some otherwise wonderful Christian people, even otherwise wonderful church people, those within this congregation, Stay away from the serious study of God's Word. Now, I fully confess that I am not in good shape in this area either, and far from perfect. No one is. But the attitude of staying away from the study of God's Word intentionally is not only wrong-headed, it's sinful. Yet every time that I have grown as a Christian, it has been because of the serious study of, contemplation about, praying over, wrestling with, and meditation on God's Word. It comes from the oratio, tentatio, meditatio process of which Luther himself wrote. On the other hand, every time that I have failed in faith toward God and in love toward others, it is because I have failed to take God's Word to heart for me and have failed to live it out toward others. I've always found it a little bit ironic that in a church body like ours that has such a problem with getting people to engage in the serious study of God's Word, we once published something called the Concordia Self-Study Bible. Many of you may have it. I have a copy of it myself. And what they were trying to say and indicate with that title, of course, is that you could use this Bible to study by yourself and for your personal devotions. But you could also take that title and understand it a bit ironically as a a Bible that studies itself. Just let it sit there on your shelf like the coffee maker on your kitchen counter and maybe it will turn itself on at the proper time and give you some satisfying results. You can see how silly and ridiculous that would be. Our Bibles, whether self-study or not, do us no good if they are covered with dust and never cracked open. Similarly, our catechism does us no good if we do not meditate on it daily. And I can assure you that all of your doubts concerning God and His ability to answer your prayers come from so little use of that fuel of faith, the engine of prayer. I can further assure you that all the arrogance and all the anger you find leaking out of your heart and your relationships to other people is because you have first failed to abide in God's word 
When we live like this, we live like those in the gospel lesson today, completely blind to the slavery of our own sin. And therefore, we remain slaves to sin. In contrast to that, if we abide in the Word of God, we know the truth about ourselves. We know how God sees us. We know the truth about Jesus and what it is He has done for us on the cross to free us from sin and from slavery to that sin. That is the truth that sets us free. The Jews answered Jesus, We are offspring to Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. And you're answering me right now in your hearts and your minds. But pastor, I'm already confirmed. I already learned the catechism. I pray the Lord's Prayer all the time. I don't really need to study it again. I'm not in slavery to sin. I just don't like those sinners and tax collectors and politicians and criminals and that person who was mean to me. Don't I have a right not to forgive them? I'm not a slave to sin like they are. And so we remain completely oblivious to the Word of God which is spoken in the Lord's Prayer, even if we recite it daily. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are so convinced in and of ourselves that we are so close to the Word, and yet we are not abiding in it. We are practicing sin through and through. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. These Jews to whom the Lord was speaking, however, were blind to their own bondage to sin, just as we often are. But we were not meant to live this way. We were meant to be set free. And that is why Jesus' word to us first must show us our slavery to sin so that then His Word can bring us freedom from that sin. Law before Gospel. You don't preach the Gospel to comfortable sinners lest they remain unrepentant. God's purpose is to first break our pride and to bring us before His judgment throne as being no better than anyone else. But Jesus says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Word of God was written down not simply to give us a list of do's and don'ts, for that would have us wallow in legalism, much like those in the medieval church who sought indulgences or relics, went on pilgrimages or did penance to earn their way closer to God. The word also was not given, however, so that we would have a to-do list to hold over the heads of others. We have the word of God instead, both law and gospel, that we might remain in it and dwell in it always. We never, never, never graduate out of it. The word preaches to us the truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ serving Jesus Christ suffering, Jesus Christ crucified, dying, and rising again for you. The truth is that truth which Jesus himself speaks from the cross, from the very first words, Father, forgive them, to the very last, 
it is finished. He alone speaks this truth, for He alone is the one who bore our sin, even our sins of spiritual blindness and our prodigal attitude toward the Word of God. He has taken even those sins to the cross. And from that cross flows the forgiveness won for us by Jesus' perfect obedience, by His steadfastness to the will of God the Father. It also speaks to you the truth that you are baptized into Christ Jesus, your old selves drowned. To know that truth is to live in that truth and to abide in it and to be free from the slavery of sin. By that truth, we are also freed from a callous attitude toward the Word of God, freed to listen to it, to love it, to treasure it, and yes, even to obey it. That Word sets us free. That Word abides forever. Luther and the other Reformers risked their very lives and all that they had for the sake of the Gospel itself, so that those who came after them might be a people who abide in the Word of God. It was their hope that people like us in our congregation, and people like our congregation all over the world at all times and in all places, might cling to that confession that the power of God's Word is true. It works. It has action on us. It affects us. And that knowing that, we will be continually reformed by it. So take seriously Jesus' invitation to abide in Him, to abide in His Word. He means to use that Word to reform you, to reform you for the better and for the betterment of others and the benefit of others around you, according to His own purpose. He has freed you, both now and forever. In His holy name, amen.